0: gentlemen neil here welcome back to the trap draw it's a booth episode it's a booth week of course i'm joined by my guy sergeant cody mcbride cody how's the heat dome dude it's it's hot i'm i'm wearing this uh
1: sweater though because you know you already got the ac pumping down here we had a service technician come out earlier in this week juiced up our freon down here man we're we're living good now i'm excited it might be 110 degrees outside but it's like 70 69 in here and i absolutely love it
0: well before we welcome in a special and probably recognizable special guest that hoodie that you're wearing i'm also wearing a hoodie and you know where they're from where they're from roback oh. yeah roback activewear it's getting to be summer and roback is ready fresh off new releases for polos hoodies and q-zips trust us when we say there isn't Better gear for summer golf. The fit, the feel, the quality, it's all perfect, and it's good. The hoodies are good for the AC. First, though, the performance polos are next level with four-way stretch and moisture wicking fabric. These polos are made to keep you comfortable in all conditions. Not only are they great for a summer day on the course, but also a summer night out on the town. Some great multi-prints. A lot of, uh, lot of personality in these shirts. Second, that's right, Robax Performance Q-Zips are the only Q-Zips Uh, that we wear. I do wear it a lot. The definition of versatile, these Q-Zips are made to keep you warm for an early round of golf while you're out and about. Trust us when we say we love these Q-Zips. Cody, do you love the Q-Zips? Yeah, they're phenomenal. Everything about them. The zipper, I'm a
1: big zipper guy. So if you do put quality work, quality product in there in that zipper, but man,
0: I love the fit and feel of it. And finally, we don't have to tell you about the hoodies. I mean, Cody's wearing one right now. They're legitimately the most comfortable hoodies we own. They are hands down the softest, stretchiest hoodies in golf. If you see us out on the course, odds are we'll be in a Roback hoodie. New designs were being released weekly. Use the code TRAP, that's T-R-A-P, on Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com, 20% off all polos, Q-Zips, hoodies, and tees with code TRAP. Get ready for summer with Roback. Before we welcome our special guest, we just need to give Mr. Jeezy a shout-out so we don't get any, any voicemails on that. Shout-out to
1: Mr. Jeezy. One thing, too, Neil, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I love everything about Roback. This is not an extension of their ad. We're going to introduce something new next week. The boys are going to the West Coast. It's going to be chilly. It's going to be quarter zip and hoodie season. I'm so excited to get out to see and he'll watch follow-on the U.S. Women's Open out of Pebble Beach, the first-time major championship. The women's professional game is going to be at Pebble Beach, and we're going to be doing it live
0: from the doghouse, man. What's up with that? The doghouse. That's right. Let's get up. We're getting them involved, baby. Supporting women's golf. We love it. All right. Special guest. You know him. You've heard his voice. Mr. Tron Carter. What's happening?
2: Hey, guys. Good to be here. Well, thank you for welcoming
1: me into your booth.
0: God, the fucking cops are here, we man. We got a, we got a chop do. session booth collab going. We're going to put the interrogation light. Honestly, it's it's kind of – we might be interrogating you, Cody. We're going to get a little Ukraine update going towards the end here. But, TC, I know you're burning on some stuff. It's, it's almost like we want to give you the floor here. Uh, you and I just got back from a trip. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, your air – your air travel your travel escapades in the last week or so what what are we what are we burning on here yeah it's
2: a it's a fucking zoo out there guys you know cody i'm sure i'm sure we'll hear about whatever Sally had going on at dfw <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome story i can't wait for that to come to light uh-huh. too might say the, the cops were potentially involved <laughs> uh it was a real uh shot across the bow and i know he was absolutely freaking out about it but tc before we get like what is going on right now?
2: I, I, like evident. Well, so, a it's like Fourth of July timeframe, right? So, people are you know the the travel machine is ramping up. People are going to Europe. People are going all over the country. Uh, and there's all that wildfire smoke. God, it was bad. Like I'm glad to be back in Florida. I, I think the Canadians should apologize to us for the wildfire smoke.
0: Ooh, it uh, might be a mea culpa in order. That's fair, TC. You
2: know, like I listen. I know we have wildfires as well, but our shit doesn't affect the the you know, population centers on the East coast typically. Right. So seemingly there were a bunch of thunderstorms up in the Northeast corridor, you know, up where Neil lives, Newark, New York, Philly, DC, etc. Really, Like just camped out basically like over like central New Jersey and Eastern PA. So they, uh, they snarled traffic, uh, air traffic earlier this week and it just, they just kept hanging out there for like three days and then add on top of that complicating matters, you know, I'm sure all the airlines are short staffed and then air traffic control is just like operating. So I guess a few months ago, the FAA advised the, uh, you know, major domestics to curtail their schedules in and out of New York and some of the surrounding airports this summer, just because they don't have enough air traffic control coverage up there. And, So I guess they did, but, you know, it was kind of a canary in the coal mine situation.
0: Is that due to like strikes or just you can't, you know, help wanted signs are out. Can't get enough ATC help wanted
2: signs and like, yeah, a bunch retired and they just haven't been training. It's like, it's been an issue and it's just coming to a head now of like, like how bad it is kind of, it takes forever to train new ATC people up plus all the. Yeah.
1: Man, TC, I ran into, uh, this last weekend I played in a roost event. We're not going to talk about golf here, but, uh, shout out to my DFW, uh, the Plex roost, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> shout, guy shout out working. to TBC Craig Ranch. Exactly. And, and the Kalinas brothers, uh, and, you know, all those people. But I will say this is that when we went to check in at this Muni that we played at in Fort Worth, uh. Kind of a bleak scene, no driving range. They had like little, two little hitting bays inside, which used to be, I, I'm guessing they're pro shop. Anyway, go and check in. The guys, the guy that's working there, strike out a, a conversation with him because I show him my USA card. He's like, oh, thank you for your service. I, you know, thank you. I go, how do you recognize USA? He goes, I am a USA member as well. Said, Did you serve? So, he's Yes, I served in the Navy. I said, well, thank you for your service. That's the, that's the greeting that you should uh, give each other, you know, veteran to veteran. After we got done with, with those pleasantries, I said, so what do you do? You just work here. You check people in, you know, sell granola bars and stuff. He goes, actually, I am an air traffic controller. Wow. I work at DFW. I said, oh, no way. I got, I got a guy that would love to talk to you. It's my colleague, my friend, Mr. Tron Carter. He goes, you know what? I know exactly who you are, and I listen to every single trap draw. So if he's listening out there, shout out to you, buddy. I appreciate what you're doing. I don't think you need the second job. I think being an air traffic controller is like stressful enough. Maybe he doesn't need to take that 6 a.m. shift on the weekends just to get like a free $5 round of golf in. But man, people are everywhere. Do you think he's
2: wind talker? The guy that keeps leaving the...
1: No, it's not. Do you think he'd want to come on and talk about being an uh, air traffic controller? I asked him that. I said, "Would you? Are you interested in being on a guest on?" And he's like, "Honestly, I just don't have time between you know working at the golf course and and air traffic control." He's like, "I can barely get my free rounds of golf in that I get yeah. now." Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where maybe we could do like a, a an interview on the golf course with him. We just well, got to find it in his yeah. schedule.
2: Plus, you've kind of identified him, whereas I think Windtalker wants to be completely anonymous, et cetera. You
1: know well, I know I mean? Windtalker's voice. Okay. I've listened to them.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. So I got. I don't know. So I got to the airport on what was that on t- monday or tuesday what day is it thursday, thursday. all right so, so yeah. I, I got to the airport on tuesday around noon for a 2 a 2 p.m flight no worries actually i saw a guy trying to bring his golf clubs uh through tsa which was really? which was sick yeah what do you mean like he tried to
0: like, like as carry, a, a, on carry on security yeah like it's just a it's a titleless golf bag <laughs> i mean technically though like it would fit in the overhead and it would fit yeah. through the security machine. It's really no like, he's different not wrong. than like
2: people trying to bring like a guitar on, you know?
1: Well, yeah. I don't know. This is a very Neil Schuster thing. He's the king of like, you know, you only get one personal
0: item and one carry on. the king he's of that. Content, he's I've, skirting I've done that. with that third bag all the time. I've done that. And that's because the TSA, they're not going to say anything to you about the number of bags you have. Now, I've never tried to bring like something ridiculous on board. But I believe <laughs> one time I didn't have, I think I was traveling with only a three wood. And for, I can't remember why I only had one club. And I was like, can I bring the one club? I asked the, the, you know, at the like Delta counter, like, no, yeah. because it could be considered a weapon. Totally. That's what the lady told me. So well, actually, I think that's a, a good I, point. I've seen people you brought up the guitar cases, but I've seen like f- fly rods go in all the time. I guess you carry-ups. can't, you know, can't really kill someone with a fly rod. Could you, I guess you could, you I could mean, maybe, you could
2: kill somebody with any number of different things.
0: I think they're looking at the golf club, though, as, like, blunt force trauma. Like, tr- you know, yeah. wouldn't be that hard to use. Well, I, I would argue that they're pretty light. and Yeah, but you're right. I mean, you could we could go through a whole list of, like, household items. I'm sure, Cody, you could probably educate us on some of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Do you know what? Shout out to, uh, I, I like how TC worked in a, a Titleist read in here, too. But what if he came on to, like, tr- brought his golf clubs on, but he had one of the see-through golf, like, uh, who was it? I don't think it's Aaron Rye. I know he's like the head covers and two gloves guy. Oh, the one with the bags, like everything clipped to the outside? Not clipped to the outside where it literally was just like rail stacked yeah, yeah, and you yeah. like clip the golf clubs into about. it. It's not an actual like bag system. Well,
2: uh, I think Sabatini was wearing it. Or was uh, using actually, it yeah. Sabo yeah. was using yeah. it for a little bit absolutely but yeah so that was that was kind of how it started and then i i got there and then
0: to to be clear the tsa they said get you know gtfo they were like like, dude like absolutely not like that's absurd did he put up a fight was he like surprised
2: like i kind of like i saw him getting turned away as i was walking up and then he walked by me and i was like it didn't really register at first and i was like wait that guy tried to take a golf bag (laughs) and uh yeah so that happened and then you know I look up at the board and it's just like canceled, 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 canceled for like, you know, DC, Boston, Reagan, my flight was on time. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, but like Newark and like Delta and JFK and LaGuardia were just like shot, like no good. Right. And it was Delta and United. I think United got crushed by the weather this week uh, because they're, they're big, you know, Newark's obviously one of their big hubs. And then it cascades out like, cause they can't get crews and like, Neil, you got
0: diverted. Yeah. Right. You know? And it's like, I did coming back from Cincinnati last weekend, uh, we were circling small plane regional yeah, or uh, I guess like Delta connection flight yeah. felt like, uh, dropped me in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And there were like three other planes just sitting on the runway and they were like open gates. So it was kind of like, what, what's going on? Nobody knew what was going on. Allentown, bigger airport than I expected in Allentown. But uh, a lot of Allegiant flights didn't it felt a little bleak. Yeah, as far as not a place I, I'm going to try to fly out of or into again. But they come on and they're like, "Hey, uh, so check it out. We're gonna we're gonna go to Newark at some point. We don't know when, but if you you're welcome to get off the plane. But if you get off, you can't come back on, and we are not going to get you your luggage off. And so, you know, with my wife Carson, I'm like, okay. The 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 good thing for us is that her parents live almost equidistant between Newark and Allentown. It was probably a little farther from Allentown, but I was like we could probably get an Uber from here to, you know, to pick up our dog and then just go like stay there for the night and then I can pick up my golf clubs at Newark on the way into New York City. So it kind of worked where it was like you know we the the path has been you know the gauntlet has been laid. A lot has to go right for that to happen. But the reason I wanted to get off that plane is it was Delta going into Newark. And when this kind of stuff happens, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I got to think that the airline that has the hub is like, they're getting priority. And you know, there were probably 40 other flights that got diverted to regional airports because they are backed up. And they're like, we're not taking any more planes. I've, I got to think the United flights are going in before the Delta flights.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how how the seniority or priority works, but you know I would assume some of it's probably where you're at in the stack, you know Uh, um but like like it was crazy like LaGuardia they ran out of space to like park airplanes they'd like take one of the runways like out of commission because like there's just so many strain and then so then that's all the crews they can't get anywhere else and then it cascades even to airports that it's not you know that like the weather's not at right and then so our flight we board a little late which whatever and then they get on the horn and they're like, hey, like, like it's hot as shit on the, on, on the plane. I'm in like, I'm in row one and like, I'm like near the door. So I'm like, maybe it's just cause I'm near the door. It was a hot day in Jack's. They get on the horn. and They're like, Hey, the door's broken. But like, it took like 45 minutes for them to like acknowledge that like there was a delay or that we were like, captain was not communicating well. And they say the door's broken. Then, you know, they're trying to fix the door. And like, then they, they, they end up basically gluing the door. Oh that's encouraging. Like, yeah, that's super so encouraging. Good. And then and then they're like, "All right, everybody has to get off the plane." Uh, I was like, "All right, well that's not not good." And then so then at that point people are like, "Hey, can I get off the plane? I've already missed my connection at Dulles. Um, I'd rather just stay here for the night and try to take one tomorrow." And they're like, "Sure, like, but you like you can't get back on." And then they're like, "All right, you know, everybody can get off the plane. Everybody has to get off the plane because we need to test for pressurization." So then they form two lines up by the desk. Uh, And I feel bad for like the employees, the the gate agents who are, you know, like at Jack's at like a regional airport, like Jack's, it's like, they're, they're doing the ticket counter. And then those same people, they're getting you onto the airplane as well. You know, like they've got two or three gates Um, United does. And so these people like people are, there's, there's all these German people that are like half our plane was like going to Frankfurt. Uh, They were, they were like, they were all going to miss their connection all there was like a group of three that was going to Slovenia. They were like, uh, they were flipping their shit. There was, there was Northeast
0: Florida getting out to see the world.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. But like some of them were like, like there was, there was a few people going on a Turkish airlines flight, like all these flights are, and they're like, yeah, like earliest, like this is on like June 27th. They were like, yeah, earliest we can get you to Lublana is, is, uh, June 30th, which is, you know, like three days into their vacation and um or or like out out of here into lublana would be like 30th into the first basically and they're like oh my god and then like so then they like repressurize it and united maintenance you know cleared it in chicago and then took like another hour and a half for like the local guys to like do the paperwork and finally like we ended up actually taking off and like we were four and a half hours late but you know like i felt bad for the people like People in a wheelchair who, like, somebody's wheeling them onto the airplane, like, that guy timed out. You know what I mean? So it's like there's nobody to, like, wheel him onto the plane. Or, like, all the people that got off the plane, like, I don't know if they got their bags or not.
0: Well, this goes back to my – I think I made this argument to you, Cody. Like, we all bitch and moan about the air, industry, air travel industry, and there's a lot to complain about. But man, what a symphony when it's going right! Like what a modern right. marvel, and I don't think it gets enough credit for like. And yeah, when something like when the assembly line gets busted, like it's a problem. But I'm still like, you know, TC, I appreciate you giving them a shout out because it's like, God, there's a lot of a lot of uh, instruments being played in unison when it's when it's going right, which is I think for me, I, I kind of have a running tally in my head of like every ten flights, I'm gonna get boned once. I'm just going to get boned. I got boned in January coming back from Denver. Br- brutal experience. Now, you're like, you you know probably get it's boned been a while. twice. It's gonna it's been a while since I got boned. If you fly American, you're probably
2: going to get boned twice,
0: but Delta, you know, <laughs> sure. But premium brands won't. are okay in
1: that that one to 10. The other thing too is that I don't know uh, we give a lot of shit and like obviously we have our own ties and and allegiances to airlines here, but a lot of these issues are just kind of lack of like contingency planning based off of the airport and their staffing not so much a representation of the airlines themselves
0: yeah but it's also it is frustrating to see them squeeze you know when things are going well and it's like ah it feels like you guys are squeezing the profits a little bit you know instead of like creating enough slack in the uh operation to have some redundancy
2: yeah like there's there's it it can cascade pretty quickly there's not enough reserve airplanes there's not enough reserve crew there's not enough gate agents there's not like and and part of that's because like nobody wants to work there because they get treated like shit like yelled at all the time and that's the other thing like you know this german guy is like gonna knock down drag out like screaming at the gate agent i'm like dude you're like you're not making anything any better like she's on your side here like she's trying to and like she she can't yeah, help all the these things. The only people thing that she wants is to get
1: you out of her face anyway. Yeah. And she has she has zero control over whatever United is telling her like she's getting on the same fucking website that like we get on. Yeah, it's- there
2: there was a uh tennis player, he was going to Rome for like a some tournament and he was you know, he was like, I'm gonna miss like I'm like I'm gonna miss the tournament. I'm gonna miss my debut here. All this
1: stuff. It was well, he, didn't, he didn't get into it. <laughs> He didn't get into Wimbledon, so I don't know what event he's going to. Correct. Tough, tough draw there.
2: Anyway, so then I get, to, I get to Dulles, which like continues to be like the worst, like the most dystopian fucking place on the
0: planet. Did you ride on like the Mars rover to get yeah, from the terminal all, to the baggage claim? and
2: from this, this time. I went through Dulles both both ways. Those things are so bad. That whole airport is like that color blue that they use to paint the walls, the low ceilings. Yeah, the baggage claims is It is such a shithole bad lighting uh,
0: it,
1: it's a whole it's a,
2: area too everything around it so 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 i go to hertz
1: it feels very governmental
0: to me it, so it i don't does, know what you guys uh, are complaining the, about. well it feels very like like soviet yeah. or that, sure. exactly you know it's the Politburo. or and, you, you know <laughs> <call
2: it. laughs> all the architecture freaks are like oh my god like it's the euro sauron terminal like yeah that's a cool building or whatever but like 80 percent of the airport is dog shit Right, awful, air, you know, awful options for food, all that stuff. The staff's awful. So anyway, I go to Hertz, and they, I think, like I had rented a Tesla because it was the same price, and I only had to drive like 160 miles each way, and they had a supercharger at the uh, at the hotel we we're staying at. So I'm like, sick, right? Like this is this is great. I can I can grab a Tesla.
0: It'll be nice. Have nice you ever tries. driven a Tesla before?
2: Uh I driven one once prior. And you know, it's like whatever, it's a car. I I I figured it out pretty quickly. What I didn't figure out pretty quickly was that they only gave me 52% battery charge.
1: Wait, what?
0: Yeah. Oh my because god.
1: Because somebody did a quick turn and burn and they just cleaned it up and got it right back out to I you. guess. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck, guys? Like, like that
2: just, you know, you now granted, like I stopped at the supercharger at a sheets in you know hagerstown maryland or or you know uh a little bit north of there in pennsylvania and like the supercharger it took like 17 minutes to get it from like you know 41 to like 67 percent or something to get me on my way basically but I, I thought about taking it all the way down like i thought about it was going to get me there with two percent battery left that would have been the ultimate
0: tc <laughs> test
2: but man, like, it's not my vehicle. I don't know what is built in, you know, as far as kind of cushion on that. I wanted to drive fast, et cetera.
0: Did you go into insano mode?
2: Well, no, like actually on the way back today, the Fale, uh, put the, the, the emergency blinkers on when he pulled the car around, it took me like 15 minutes to figure out how to get them (laughs) off. And it was just a button like up above on like the top collar or whatever. And I, I was like, yelling at the voice control on it all this stuff it was you know your didn't have my spot marked like i was on the board but they didn't have spot 19 yeah i'm I'm still an enterprise guy they
0: give me the tools to be my own boss and and i might have to move over i mean it just you know and i went pro in something other than sports as well so i I feel like you know a lot of synergies with me and enterprise
2: i've had Uh, some people try to try to get me over to the national squad cody what are you
0: hurts baby i don't know how
1: i i don't know how i ended up with but like I, am I have heard.
0: Well, they have the they have the relationship with Amex, so that's probably part of it. And Delta, like you get point, you know, yeah. there's like point sharing going on. But you know, have an, a, Enterprise always has better pricing for me too. But yeah. I am, I am. Be honest, I'm probably still using the. I might be still using the Google discount code. But you know, <laughs> I just use Hertz because the franchise always
2: used Hertz. He was he was a President's circle member, and my uncle Juice, and your
0: uncle Juice. I know. I, I figured. Absolutely. I figured that was a, a piece of the. Yeah piece of it here. But Cody, this is like the embodiment of your range anxiety. I remember we talked about this last year of like, would you ever get an electric car? You're like, man, I just can't imagine being in there with the three girls and we're on the open road and it's like, ah, I did I forgot to I forgot to
1: charge up. And well, it comes down to like your contingencies. You never know what's gonna happen. And it's like the fact that you could be out there. I know that in the United States of America, At any point in time, even if you're like in one of the remote places, within like 20 miles, probably you're going to find gas. Even though if it's not like a gas station, there will be people friendly enough if you roll down their driveway, be like, I'm out of gas. They'd be like, yeah, well, like, we got something for you. Yeah, I don't think you can do that yet in the year 2023 with like a supercharger, nor do I want to like sit there for an hour trying to, like, entertain kids while they're complaining because their tablets are also dead because they had them plugged in, draining all the fucking batteries. (laughs) Or think about, like, this weekend (laughs)
2: where, like, there's millions of people on the road. How many superchargers are there,
0: right? How long would you have to wait for one? Well, I just think about the, like, when Atlanta got shut down by that ice storm, you know, like, what, five years ago, you know? which, Which used to happen when we were kids, TC. Like, you know, it snowed once a year, and it's just like the city goes... You know, turns into a zombie land, but like people were stuck on the highlight on the highway in their cars for like eighteen hours. Like that's that's tough. That's a little bit more on society than
1: like anything else. So, but did Teslas come? Like, can you get them with all weather tires? Like, I, I got a maybe our Canadian folk will reach out. And be I,
2: like, I, I mean, I think you can put all all weather tires on anything,
1: right? Can you put some studs on them? I'm sure like, what can. if we got to put snow tires on them? Would, would that work out? We got to ask I don't know. lots of questions here. That's okay. <laughs> true.
2: But it's also, yeah, it's like, how are we charging these? Like, how are they charging them at the well, airport? No, my first question
0: when you when you said that was, do you get, there's a person that dropped it off with 50%. The rule should apply equally. Like if you drop off a rental car with yeah. half the gas, you get charged an arm and a leg for not filling the tank back up unless you prepay. So,
2: it. yeah. So so I actually charged, I, I I stopped at a supercharger, charged it back up a little bit before I went back, got it back to where I picked it up at. And the guy was like, it's at you know 52%. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you gave it to me at. And he's like, well, it's gonna be a $35 fee. I said, no, it's not. Like, that's like Ooh. like you guys, you guys gave it to me at 52%. Like I'm I'm returning it at exactly what it was at. So
0: And what
1: was his answer to that?
2: We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, listen, yeah.
1: This sounds like a vicious cycle. I'm sure the guy before you did the exact same thing. Maybe it's something with that car, it just only goes to hey it's 52 percent well that's what we on got the it.
2: supercharger like it'll only like i think if you want to do the fast charging it only goes to like 70 70 or 72 or something like that so uh i don't
0: know well autumn, do you guys you know, you, know you, you want to know something you don't have to charge often and it lasts a long time and if you if you need they have lifetime free battery replacement our, our friends at precision pro god that was so smooth and, and whether you're a scratch player or new to the game, there's an easy way to lower your scores. Adding a rangefinder to your pre-shot routine will change your game forever. Our longtime friends at Precision Pro Golf have created a rangefinder unlike any other. NLU has been using the NX10 for almost a year, and this is easily the best rangefinder we've ever used. TC and I were, were gunning all kinds of things at a, a course with tons of slope on it. And we we had a, a match where we we were both using the slope. So awesome features on the NX10. The NX10 has the essentials like magnetic cart mount, slope-adjusted distances, and ex- uh, an external slope switch, and HD optics. You can also get free battery replacement, as I mentioned earlier, a three-year warranty, and 30% off on their upgrade, upgrade program if you already have an NX9 or something like that. Head to precisionprogolf.com forward slash NLU to see our favorite part, the customization. Choose from one of our NLU designs or get them all. With the NX10, you can easily switch look of your range finder uh we just redesigned the the covers and they're sweet um i was using a couple of them this week uh so yeah again head to precisionprogolf.com forward slash nlu and use code no laying up to get 20 dollars off your nx10 how about it guys we like that not only the
1: the skins obviously everybody knows you can customize those but also that the new case we got a new no
0: laying up case pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, I know. That the landing page has all that stuff. So it's it's good. TC, let's let's switch over to another air air story you were monitoring. I know we don't do a ton of monitoring in in the booth, but uh with your presence here, I looked like a uh a, a delta flight like ingested somebody. It did. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think we got an American one that ingested someone earlier this year and now now a delta one. Uh I don't think it was I don't know if it was in Charlotte, but I know a delta 717 also uh, landed without the, the nose gear didn't, didn't come down. And they landed in Charlotte yesterday. Skidded to a halt. Everybody was fine. But those seven 717s, man, we got to get rid of them.
1: Yeah. Now, are you did you bring this story up because you're trying to dump on Delta? No. Or are you uh, praising the the No, I'm pilot praising the, the
2: heroism of the pilots while also maybe calling into question like what I think is, is a disgrace that they're still flying.
1: I so, agree with you. The 717s are bullshit. No offense to Boeing. I think they do uh, some okay work on their other other frames. But I will say this. The nose landing gear was up. They decided they had to make an emergency landing in Charlotte. What I will say is uh, it says here, as they approached Charlotte, pilots received a nose gear unsafe indicator. Crew initiated a missed approach procedure to further investigate the indication. Now, I had no clue what that actually means boys they gotta buzz the tower Yep. so literally right directly above charlotte they buzz the tower so air traffic control to do a can do a visual inspection of the landing crew to see if they could possibly get it down they couldn't do it they brought it in i've seen videos from inside very safe smooth landing like no turbulence or, or roughhousing at all i was very very impressed so tc shame on the aircraft but uh, I praise the pilot, co-pilot, and the crew there for for making a very safe landing.
2: Totally. Those are the, the planes that Delta bought those planes from Airtran when Southwest bought Airtran. Delta owns them outright. They paid like six cents on the dollar for them. They burn a lot of gas, but they're completely paid off. And they're like super efficient for like those weird routes from like Atl- Atlanta and Detroit to like Atlanta yep. to charlotte or atlanta to birmingham or atlanta to nashville like they just beat those things up they fly them out of, and they're making money that was like hand my, over fist my, on
1: my go-to flight raleigh to atlanta like yep. i flew on the same exact plane over and over and over again but
2: delta has a policy of like cheap like they they, they like their aircraft lease costs
1: cheap or,
0: or they like to own them outright
1: kudos to them though yeah. Praise their procedures, totally. safe emergency protocols, everything else. Like yes. That. I think more see, of a uh, shout
0: out than anything is in sure. order. Um, all right. You know what? Uh, let's get to the main event. We got a, f- we- a few odds and ends we can hit at the end, but real Cody, quick, real quick. Yeah. I've been super worried about the Panama Canal. It seems to be raining
2: down there uh, this week. So um, they've gotten a lot of rain, which is good over the last, the last four or five days. What were days. you concerned
0: that it was going to dry up? Yeah, man. They're, yeah. they're running out of water. Really?
2: Quickly, yeah, and it it could like throw a p- pretty big
0: wrench into into like worldwide logistics. But they got a, they had that massive lake in the middle of it between well, the, check, the big check locks. it out
2: the lake like the water drains out of the lake every time that one of the ships oh. moves out of the locks. Okay. Like football fields worth of
0: so they're water. not they're not building the reservoir back up with uh, correct with runoff. They need
2: they need water in the rainforest
0: down there. Okay that's tough yeah
2: yeah so just just keep monitoring that keep that in the back of your mind you saw what happened when the when the Suez yes no you know and this is for you know natural gas and energy shipments to Asia from the Gulf this is stuff coming through you know to the East Coast from you know it could choke our freightways and and highways even more if we need to transport stuff via you know from West Coast to East Coast because they can't get the East Coast ports go around all that stuff you know just know you guys in the booth you guys can sleep tight at night because you don't have to be monitoring this stuff like i do
0: okay fair enough i mean if if necessary i think the emergency is you got to get the mule trains back out you know just send ryan armor and the boys down there and just start start packing things out across the uh the isthmus amen um all right but i mean something we're all monitoring i think cody it's time for a, a a ukraine update what many what people is, have been
2: demanding one what on is
0: going on with Puty? what's up with with you know wagner uh, you know i i want to call him wagner just to you know slap him in the face a little bit what's up with the wagner squad uh you take i don't know where do you want to start because i'm all ears man it was a busy busy weekend i don't know where you
1: guys really want to start i think the last thing we talked about like ukraine russia and everything was like Uh, reports of, like, Pudi not being able to handle his bowel movements that well, potentially falling asleep during, like, meetings, um, looking kind of frail, not really having a clue what's going on. But, man, shit popped off last weekend. Started on Friday. Uh, Wagner Group, who we haven't really talked much about. um, I'm very familiar with them from their activities in Syria. It's kind of a a couple chance run-ins with them one of them being very friendly, the other one ending not so very well for them. But the Wegnar Group and who they are basically is a Russian uh, paramilitary organization. And I use the word paramilitary just because that's basically the only way to describe them, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because they're funded by the Russian government, they train with the Russian uh, military, and they're basically like, they fall under the Russian military pseudo Russian intelligence. So it's kind of weird where they actually sit, but they've they haven't been around that long. Started 2013, 2014. They were very, very uh instrumental in the uh, the original uh uprising in Ukraine when, when Putin tried to take over everything there, and then uh continued to expand from there. Basically their first big operations that they did was in libya in 2014 when they went and, and joined up there um
0: okay question i want to stop you right there because like what I, the, the basics of who they are i i want to know how does the how does the hot dog vendor in moscow turn into the paramilitary leader like is he just running his own like was he a big Call of Duty guy? Like, how does he get, you know, <laughs> what, what what gives him the bright idea to start a, like a, a rogue shadowy military force? Well, he's actually like not the founder of Wagnar. Okay, he's not. He, so he, who is he, that? Okay, I thought he was. Huh. So the
1: original founder of Wagnar is this guy, Dmitri Yukin. And Dimitri was still the leader of Wagnar up until like late 2021, early 2022, when finally like, all of his like bad shit caught up with him. And he started getting charged charges from every like nation state possible, just because he's like the King of war crimes. Um, Dmitry is uh, he's Ukrainian born, but he was in the Russian military for a long, long time. Um, He was an officer in, in GRU, which is the Russian special forces or special operations retired after uh, receiving the rank of Lieutenant Colonel and through the stuff that he did with GRU um, he ended up becoming pretty close to uh poo daddy himself. So about the time, you know, early 2000s to the mid 2000s, when Russia is, is trying to figure out how they actually want to gain more Russian influence over the globe, um, realizing that they weren't going to be able to, we're not going to be able to do this with traditional military activities. They knew that if they started up a, basically like a freelance paramilitary organization, they would be able to go out and gain significant influence throughout not only their region and, and, you know, countries that border them, but also the globe. So that's where the Wagner group stood up from. Now Wagner and where the name actually comes from is Wagner and like its founder, Dimitri himself to include like the original 200 recruits. These are like a very hardcore alt right, like, nazi loving they hail like hitler is their guy um big which fans is of h not not f- good huge huge um and the, i mean it comes down to like the Wagner group is named after a german composer richard Wagner, um, because richard Wagner was like hitler's basically like favorite composer
0: um so like all there's all these ties that go back to hitler um God, which puts a special kind of irony on all the you know Russian state stuff calling the Zelensky the, the Nazis, right? Yeah, <laughs>
1: calling the, the Ukrainians like <laughs> a Fuck. bunch of Nazis. So what what happened is that uh so Dmitry uh Yucatan is like he's the overall military leader, he's the one that set up the framework for Re- Wagnar we- and everything else, but they needed a guy to separate themselves, the Wagnar group, um from like the Russian military themselves. So the guy who everybody knows now, you guys know him as the hot dog guy. I call him the iron chef. He's not an iron chef. No offense to any of our chefs who listen. Um, but like the hot dog guy, uh, Yuvanchi is, he basically was Putin's like go-to high society chef in Moscow. Like if there was a a state dinner or anything like that, he would be the guy that like, he's not cooking it, He's like a restaurant tour, so he would be in charge of, like, catering. Sure. So, basically, Puty decided that he was going to funnel money through his buddy, the Iron Chef, in order to get it to Dimitri in order to fund
0: Wagnar. Because it sounds like Pergozin, the Iron Chef, also runs a lot of, like, the supplies for, like, public schools, like, lunches yes. and shit, right? So, he's probably supplying the military with a bunch of food, too. So, easy place to launder money. Yeah, I'm trying
1: to think of, like, what the actual name is – of like the food services provider that everybody uses. Oh, it's the, uh, like in the States. Amer- um, um,
0: am, am, not, is it Amway? No, that's not the, uh, the, Not, the, no, not uh, Aramark. I mean, Aramark. No. That is it, Aramark. Well, they're like is a big it? like concessionaire. There's Cisco. No, Cisco's the S-Y-S-C- big distributor. S-C-
2: you got Aramark, yeah, but, you got Delaware North, you've got that sort of stuff. Uh, so
1: down that route though, that's, sure. ex- yeah. that's exactly where we're going with this guy. So there's a ton of like, you know, He's basically just moving shit in and out. But specifically for him, how he got into that position is because he was responsible for the majority of like food and and shit coming in and out of the Kremlin. So a very easy middle guy. He has nothing to do with the military. He does no shit for fucking like tactics operations. But he is a a die diehard diehard Russian supporter. He loves his country and like that to him, like being uh, involved in this new organization. Uh, Wagner is like definitely like his call to service and he's like he's lived that out to this day now uh when when Dimitri like was put to the side he nobody else was there to like step in so the hot dog guy stepped in and then like basically has been their overall uh, I, I wouldn't really like he is their commander but he basically is like their chief marketing officer sure um who's like the guy out there on the streets like they have other um like military commanders and stuff who are, who are tied into them. Very, very high leaders, uh, former GRU officers that like control their actual movements and come up with their war plans and everything else like that. But the the tie-in to Wagnar and GRU is like very, very, very tight to like all of their recruits go through like a side, you know, selection of GRU where they run, GRU officers run, manage, control it, um, Wagner has two like training camps uh, where all their new recruits go to,
0: but it sounds like uh, the recruits are getting worse. Like they're, they're well, they are getting worse. But
1: stuff. The the so this is the thing is that it's very hard. So a lot of people are saying that now, but like Wagner Group is truly like their their uh, quasi elite. Like it's their Blackwater. Okay. Okay. That's that's exactly what it is. In order to be like selected into Wagner. You have to have like completed your time already in the russian military with like majority of people who are getting selected are former gru soldiers so not officers but like soldiers they're getting done with their with their mandatory time and coming over to wagnar um because they're getting paid a little bit more and they like basically can do whatever the fuck they want they like they loot shit they like fuck people's it, it, they're they're bad 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 dudes but where you see, like, prison breaks and going in and, like, these mass recruiting operations um, for soldiers and people to sign up, that's actually for, like, the Russian military itself uh, because they have so many – they've had so many deserters and kids who, like, will sign up and, like, tell their family because they come from proud Russian households. Like, I'm going to go do this because it's for our, you know, last name, dad, and I'm going to go serve our country, and they go to training, and as soon as they get, like, shipped out and they're actually deployed to Ukraine, they're just like, fuck it, and they, like, run away. Um, So a ton of deserters going on, but that's where the majority of like the bad dudes who are getting, you know, and, and they stopped that, or at least they claim that they've stopped recruiting from prisons because there's like fucking, so, bad, so bad you, dudes.
0: do you like, do you feel like Wagner, like pre, like, let's say 2021, like pretty solid, like these guys got experience. Don't want to run into them in a back alley in Syria. Like they'll fuck you up. And then do you still well, feel not really. Way? Well, no, know, no, no, not not well, for I, you, but, like, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, they were, they were yeah, like, a legitimate fighting force. They weren't, like… Yes, okay. for sure. So that's what I'm according asking.
1: According to, like, like, yeah, according to, like, Russian military standards, like, they, they were a very premier fighting force uh, who had a lot of capabilities that most, like, independent operations wouldn't necessarily have. The only thing that they were lacking is absolutely, like, they were just shit out of luck when it came to, like, air support and air defense. Uh, they had to rep- uh, require 100% still on the Russian military for that. Now, that's where this story, before we get into what actually happened on Friday, takes an interesting turn because it plays in. So this is like 2015, well, actually 2016, 2017-ish. I'm in northern Syria. We're obviously partnering with my close personal friends and cousins, the Kurdish of northern Syria. Your little Kurdish And uh, all my Kurdish friends. And, you know, we're having a great time. We're taking care of ISIS. We're, we're, we've done the, the liberation of Manbij, which was on the western side of the Euphrates River. We, we cleared Raqqa, which is the capital, and we're marching down the Euphrates River Valley. And we get, uh, you know, we're just continuing south, trying to get our way to the Iraqi border to actually open up that uh, land bridge again. And sure as shit. We, we occupy a place down there, an old oil refinery. And I'm not saying that this is like we took over an oil refinery because we wanted the oil. That's not it because the oil there was shit, right? We took over the oil refinery because of the infrastructure. It used to be an old Conoco plant. Now, we called the camp Conoco because that's the easiest way to identify it. And like when you talked about it, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to Conoco today. So it was just very, very easy. The same thing like where our, our main-ish base is, we called it Lafarge because it was a cement factory owned by the Lafarge cement company. So normal, normal shit. Now, the issue is that when we first moved down there on the southern side of the Euphrates River, uh, which we could see, it was only a couple K away, was the actual Syrian military. And they are partnered, of course, with, at the time, the Wagnar Group. So the Wagner was there doing what they call uh, advise and assist, but really what they were doing was actually like the fighting for them. And they believed that the Conoco Oil refinery was not taken over by us, even though we relayed to Russia and the United Nations like multiple, multiple, multiple times like, hey, this is we are Americans that are here. They continued to believe that it was occupied by ISIS. And they thought that, oh, my God, like, we can't have ISIS there. This is a, a major, like, key piece of terrain. Uh, they're going to be getting all this money from this oil and everything. We got to go take care of them.
0: Uh, both you guys are fighting ISIS.
1: That's Well, interesting. yeah. Now, it, that's, like, a completely different story for a different reason of, like, okay, so if we say we're fighting ISIS with the Kurds and they're saying they're fighting ISIS with, like, the Syrian army, like, what ISIS are we actually fighting <laughs> now according Finkel to them, yes according to them like they like they consider uh the Kurds to be terrorists very uh Turkish line of thinking sure for them. so uh we might be like white guys out there running around but because we're partnered with the Kurds like they believe us to be terrorists as well anyway you know there's there's tons of messages passed back and forth about who is actually occupying the Conoco oil refinery um you know, Russian doesn't believe it. Wagnar doesn't believe that it's Americans, they think it's ISIS, and, and they plan to launch an attack on it. This is late in the uh in the afternoon. And uh what ends up unfolding is that they brief their plans, of course, to the Syrian army. They get uh approval from the Syrian army, but in order to accomplish their plan, because it looks like there's a shitload uh of ISIS fighters at Conoco with a lot of heavy Vehicles because you know, of course ISIS is still rolling around with like US, you know, heavy vehicles at this time. Um, they request like Russian air support. So the request goes up from the Wagnar commander, who at the time was Dmitry, and he sends the request up to the Russian military specifically, where is he located like, back in Russia? He he was in Russia, yeah, yeah. So everything's relayed from like guy on the ground back to Moscow. They get it inside the Kremlin. They figure it out or try to figure it out and, and go from there. Um, so basically what happens is that their minister of, I believe the Russian minister of war and they're like, you know, basically their their second guy in charge agrees to this airstrike. And they're like, yep, yeah, we're going to send you these aircrafts. You're going to have these, you know, uh, other jets overhead to provide any, you know any support that you guys need um and what happens is that they finally like the word trickles down to them that hey those are Americans actually there and the Russian military is like oh cool like yeah if they're Americans like we're not gonna fuck with these guys up like we're gonna cancel these airstrikes but they never relayed the message to the ground so the Wagner guys tried to shoot out basically what they did is they fired one shot that completely missed Conoco and like a bullet uh,
0: or like a rocket
1: no, no. For our, like artillery. Okay. Um, we, our air defense, U S air defense, uh, shot it out of the ground. And then we got, uh, immediately got, um, we requested approval for an immediate strike for, um, you know, basically troops in contact and like, you know, self-defense of our location and our Kurdish allies, um, got that immediately up to like CENTCOM command and then into the Pentagon and they immediately approved it. And we absolutely rained fire. On this Wagnar slash Syrian uh army outstation and like destroyed them all. Now that's that sucks for them. Uh obviously they shouldn't have shot at us. They they knew that it was us. We know that they knew that that was Americans, but that is where the hot dog man originally started getting pissed off at all of these Russian military commanders and specifically like the generals who are sitting at like the right hand side of Putin because they intentionally did not relay the message back down to his troops and their troops got absolutely lit up.
0: Because they don't so, like the, they don't like the third party. Exactly. They don't like the contractors. Exactly. So they, uh, you know, that's, that's stuck in
1: the back of his head, you know, back of his mind for a long, long time. And even through this whole Ukraine uprising and Wagner has been like on the, the leading effort of like russia hot like, spots right, yeah, yeah, failed like you know when this first kicked off two years ago, like we thought this was going to be done in, like a matter of days, and like Ukrainian military has put up such a strong defense to them. and like the only people who have been like somewhat successful are Wagner, but they've they've had like severe, severe casualties throughout the way, um and it's asking an awful lot of like an organization of like ten to twenty thousand people to like take on an entire country by themselves
0: backing up. So they're, you know, they're a legit fighting force through, let's say, the start of this, you know, war conflict in Ukraine.
2: And they're doing they, stuff like all over the place. Like they're, yeah, they're all they're over Africa. Africa. Where else are they?
1: Well, they're in, they're in Africa because they're, they're like Central Africa because they're, they're like, they're primarily there for security for diamond, like all these diamond operations. So really like finance. But I'm for curious
0: Russia. if because they're taking heavy casualties, like th- their force has to be, getting less experienced over yeah. the last like two years where they're like, shit, we're running out of guys. And we're not re, you know, we're not reloading enough from the GRU because those guys need to stick around. Right. Cause they yep. need those guys. Or they're
1: being like so many people are being killed. Like we have the, the re- numbers of lost uh, soldiers on the Russian side are like, aren't even being reported anymore. And we don't even know how many of them are actually GRU because GRU is primarily like them and Wagner are the people that are actually on the front lines for
0: it. So before I, I, I keep going to continue down that road, but what happened, just curious, what happened to Dimitri? What's he doing now? So he got, he got got for some, you know, for being a war criminal. Did he get put in jail? Did he run? Like what's, what's his status right now? Well, I'll, I didn't really
1: know for sure. I know that he had like the sanctions, obviously for human rights abuse and everything brought against him on his Wikipedia page. He says that he is now uh, has been appointed to be the CEO of Concord Management and Consulting. It's a management company of the restaurant owned by the hot dog guy. So I think they may be like flip-flop, you know, positions. So he opened a restaurant. It's
0: almost but like it,
1: it's almost yeah. like the
0: sequel to Rocky, you know? Exactly. Sly like, a restaurant. It's got a bunch of pictures on the wall. People come by and say hi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh Yeah, even...
1: Even better. But yeah, he's kind of like, he's not in the limelight at all. Um, but he he's alive. By, he's alive and he he's not alive. in jail. Yes. Okay. Very much. And like the, you know, Russian government is like v- very heavily like protecting him. Okay. Um, Which is part. So like this brings us all, I think, to like last Friday and what actually happened. So the hot dog man finally gets, uh, you know, he's fed up because- Real
2: quick, hot dog man- like you said, he was like the biz dev marketing dude before, but he's yes. like legitimately running the operation at this point in the events leading up, or at least, at least everybody wants to think that he's running the organization.
1: Yeah. You know, we've all seen like the pictures of him out there, like on the front lines, but it's not really the front lines wearing like body armor who that, that, yeah. like, doesn't fit him very well. And his helmet's <laughs> always like cockeyed and looks like a fucking mess. Like uh, he's just like the the dude that's out there, but primarily like, He's incredible, I'm sure, for like raising like morale and like overall support for them. Um, So I'll say that like he's doing a pretty good job there.
2: But basically that's just to say like, so he starts this thing on Friday. Yep. But it's not necessarily like just out of personal vengeance it's also because it aligns with the interests of the Wagner group and all you know yes okay
1: but he's been making some like crazy demands for like the last like you know Wagner was promised like hey this is going to be like a a 60-day mission at most and like we're like two and a half years into this and he continues to like take mass casualties and he's like okay well if this is going to happen we need more people so they got him some more recruits if this is going to continue to happen we need like better equipment and they give him like shittier equipment with like you know basically no fuel because there's still like massive supply chain issues that that are going on in Ukraine. And and um, didn't
0: Putin just side with the Minister of War and say, yep. and basically say we're going to roll Wagner in with the rest of the military. So he kind of lost his power. That was the final decision early
1: last week is that hey Wagner we have no longer uh well out front they said that we no longer have confidence in their activities. As a a paramilitary organization, we're going to roll them in underneath uh, the Ministry of Defense and add them to GRU. Now, which he flips the fuck out and he immediately says, hey, this is bullshit. This is like vengeance because the Minister of War uh, and his deputy have like, you know, we have this interpersonal thing and, and they, you know, he's been calling for their basically like resignation for like years now. All the way going back to like he remembers when like his guys got completely lit up in Syria. So he didn't get the response that he wanted. So he said, Fuck it. I'm withdrawing all of my troops from Ukraine and we're going to Russia. We're going to march straight towards Moscow and I'm going to go get exactly what I want. Now at the time, what he wanted, what what we thought was like an actual like coup attempt. Now, later on, he said, and, and maybe this was happening at the time, but like, you know, all of this has come through like weird Twitter, like, you know, translators and everything else like that, trying to like read telegram messages and and, and scope through like, you know, audio recordings and everything else like that. He said that this was never like a war on Russia or directly against Putin. It was very specifically for the minister of war. Um, And he was going to basically go all the way to Moscow and like humiliate him. So what he did is that very quickly, like he gathered all Wagnar groups from Ukraine and they basically just turned and and started heading back home. And they not only started picking up like ground and all the the Russian like police and military checkpoints that were there were just letting them go through. But like he was basically saying, you have a choice right now. You can stay with the, uh, the Russian military or police. Or you can join our forces and he started out like he was only down to like a couple like five or six thousand fighters by the time that like they got to this first like major southern outstation in, in southern russia um he had like almost doubled
0: his entire force so he's just so it's like it was like when Force gump started yeah, he running just started people just start yep. coming with him and then seriously he was like yeah i think i'll go home now. right you know like he just stopped and like <laughs> Right, so he, he started picking up steam. That was
1: a big ass uh, city.
2: See, I mean, that was a city huge. of
1: like over a million people, right? And it's like, and the yeah, yeah, and the videos of it, like he basically marched right in and took over, like yeah. basic. It, it's almost like if somebody rolled in, like through the like Mexico border and went and and said like, oh, we're gonna take over like Fort Hood. Like Fort Hood is, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the, I think it's Fort Chavez now or Chavez or something like that. But it's like the largest military. Yeah. Uh, basically have like on the southern border it's just north of austin texas um that's where like you know a ton of uh, of army and air force units are at like basically it's like that if mexico just rolled up like one of the cartels is just like we're taking this over um and everybody let them do it like no no like a couple shots were fired primarily at like russian helicopters that were flying overhead that like didn't really know what was going on but there was no shots fired like on the ground at all. Um and then they, they, and then they keep mad they,
2: they like keep marching too. So this, this is on what Friday,
1: Friday or mm-hmm. Saturday? This is for us, this is like Friday night into Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh when I woke up Saturday morning, I was like shocked because I'm like, oh my God, these guys are like 200 kilometers south of Moscow. Like they are going and they're picking they're like they're moving fast. It, it blew me away how fast they were able to like get all this shit accomplished.
2: And they're better fighters than a lot of the guys that would be defending Moscow, right?
1: Yeah, they're like, the only people left in, like, Moscow are, like, all the rent-a-cops and shit like that until you actually get, like, into the heart of the Kremlin. Like, that's obviously, like, firmly, like, defense stuff. But they got 200 kilometers south of Moscow, uh, and that's when TC's buddy... um, decided to get on the phone and we have a third party that came in. He's he, he buddy, the hot dog no, man. This is, no, he's no. saying
2: Lukashenko
1: is my buddy. <laughs>
2: oh, I have no
0: God. idea how
1: he, he became
2: my boy, but go on.
1: Cody. Anyway. So we have a third party uh, that enters, enters the fold. Now I don't know much about this guy. I know that like, he's obviously been, uh, he's very supportive of Russia. He, he feels uh, it's still tied to mother Russia and everything else like that but he basically did the brokering on behalf of Putin uh he was an easy middleman to basically say hey uh hot dog man uh we we're, we're going to give you what you want like we're going to get these guys to to resign which we still haven't really seen that they've been re- you know they haven't officially left their
0: positions yet well no i saw today they're thinking about bringing steven seagal in to well, replace the, the <laughs> war minister this
1: is one of those things just like dimitri was kind of removed from this position we got put in a different uh spot and like still basically has like a lot of control over wagner still i think this is what's going to go on because like putin is very like he's very loyal to the people around him and honestly like Outside of the, like Steven Seagal, which is hilarious, and people are like, wait, why Steven Seagal? Well, he like we actually put him in that position because he was like an envoy to Russia at one point in time. Um,
2: I like yeah, it, like I, I don't think people realize how how important action movies, especially nineties action movies, like 80s and 90s action movies, are in like the the consciousness
1: out there, right? Yeah. I mean, it goes back to you know, big little Kimmy. I mean, he—that's yeah. why he's like a huge Rodman guy. is not just because of like basketball. He obviously loved like the '90s Bulls, but like he liked all the bad boy shit that Dennis was doing too. Like, it's—it's it's just wild what these guys are, are drawn
0: to, just based off of like Hollywood. God. So, w- do you, was was Seagal like an asset? Like, was, was he? Did he just? Did he break bad? What What happened? There? No,
1: I, I'm pretty sure like Seagal was like a front, like a UN envoy to Russia just was like this is better i'm gonna stick around that doesn't mean that he's like there full-time i think it was like oh this is a guy that like russia like looks up to because of like his you know obviously russia is like all about like extreme masculinity and strength and like steven sling yeah steven seagal is like that like you know the late eighties, 90s like he he is that dude uh which is why it was like such a big blow and arnold you know the, the governor started putting out those messages of like unity and like thinking for like the people of Ukraine and like calling for Russia to stop all this stuff because Arnold was like very sympathetic. Like he's gone to, to you know, competitions and like has plenty of Russian friends and Russian friends that are still in like the military of being like, Hey, what you guys are doing, like you're being sold a false bill of goods. Like don't go do this. That's why it was a huge, like a huge blow to Russia because those guys are like huge draw to them only person who hasn't said anything is sly and who knows what he's got going on but i'm sure eventually if we need him we'll pull him out of our pocket and have him put out a statement
2: god Segal like lives in splits his time between he's got S- serbian russian and us passports he's got homes in los angeles louisiana serbia and i guess in in russia i assume as well uh <laughs> he's he's buddhist deep into the Japanese scene now. Like what a, what a fascinating cat he is.
1: It's been nuts. So like I said, uh, Saturday, like midday uh, Belarus starts getting involved and and basically the Belarus president um, negotiates this deal. Basically what it comes down to is that the minister of war is going to resign. Wagner is going to go to Belarus and that's where they're going to be based out of until they receive like fall on orders um and that's kind of like outside of some minor movements here and there it's kind of all that's happened so far now one key player that has not been mentioned in all of this is like ukraine And what did ukraine have going on what did they do did they they try to take advantage of this situation at all and like outside of like some kind of cryptic tweets of like we are watching and like sitting back and and kind of chuckling and, they're monitoring yeah.
0: they're taking a page
2: out of the trap Did they try though. to do like a counter-offensive though as well They kind
1: of, I mean, they tried to get, uh, you know, get some land back, but like you haven't, there's not been like these massive gains that you would expect.
0: Well, so my question is they've been taught counter-offensive hearing that word, like for the last three months, has that happened yet? Has it been delayed? You know, what are are we thinking on the counter-offensive? It
1: hasn't really like been super successful. They've got some key pieces of terrain back, but it's, you know, Russia still basically holds the same portions of of ukraine that they have since you know going back a year now but i think that's where like you know ukraine is obviously very smart and using this to get more support from the international community the u.s we just accidentally paid them an extra like 6.2 <laughs> yeah, billion so sure dollars who knows man I, I i like i don't understand how somebody's not in jail for that because it's just it's nuts that an accounting yeah. error can literally round to 6.2 billion billion dollars of excess.
0: Well, shout out to John Stewart for calling that shit out 100%. God. I mean, that is bullshit. All right, so a question for you here Cody. I, you know, Musk and the boys at Twitter, you know, we got the new, you got the following and then you got like the for you, yeah. you know, pieces of of Twitter. I usually leave it on following, but like, you know, sometimes you, you it's almost like dipping into the dark web <laughs> when you go over the for you side. So I get served up one of these, you know, translator Telegram guys uh and he's saying that like, Putin's playing chess. Basically, this is all a giant ruse to get his best soldiers off the front lines and then rip across the board. Now he's now they're forty miles from Kiev, up on the Belarusian border, and you know this was all basically like uh, a you know, an acting job and like like let's make a big uh, scene over here and and now we're gonna outflank the Ukrainians up north coming. And he's trying Belarus. to buddy
2: up to Belarus and Lukashenko yeah solidify that, no, that yeah, yeah, because, yeah. because because and, well no because there's it, not a great relate like it's they're like in the same sphere but like reading up on like they're, belarus, they're not like, best friends like, at they all. haven't gotten along like there were the milk yeah. wars back in the late 2000s
0: wait belarus and russia
2: yeah there's there's been some some animosities no but that
0: conflicts. guy luka has been been putin's ally since yeah, day but there's one there's been you some know, he's like,
2: there's been some like in the early days of like the whole georgia conflict and and all the dagestan stuff and you know, all that there's, there's, def- Chechnya. Yeah, yeah, Chechnya, there's, there's the Belarusians kind of played both sides there. And then the Russians uh countered by uh basically trying to nationalize the Belarusian milk industry. So there are all sorts of sanctions flying around Belarus, you know, massive economic issue for Belarus as milk is a huge uh, commodity there. They export it all to Russia for the most part. So anyway, I'm all that's to say it, like it, it hasn't been the smoothest of relationships,
0: at least over the last 15 to sure. 20 years, and and that's totally fine. But I, you know, I'm I, here's where I'm struggling. My question, I'm gonna get to my question. So I'm reading this tweet, and I'm like, God, you know, yeah, like there's so much fucking fake stuff out there. I'm like, I don't know who to believe, right? It's like, oh God, you know, Putin's got this all under control. He's he's playing 3D chess, and I guess part one is like that. Is that bullshit? Please tell me that's bullshit. And you know, if it's not, let's discuss. And part two, like where, sh- who should I be following to get new? Where are you getting your news from? Like, wh- as if I want to follow this, like what, what should I be doing? Because you got a bunch of people saying like, oh, you know, they're not telling us the true casualty rates on both sides, you know, cause like our mainstream media is lying to us and theirs is lying to them. And I don't know, you know, so it's like, ah, oh, fuck man. Like, do I have to go to the for you section and believe the, the, you know, the Telegram translators? I don't know. I, that's a great question. I get at that question
1: a lot. I think over time, we've just compiled these, like, a lot of weird characters that seem to yeah. be somewhat accurate that, uh, like, I follow, and that's why I usually send over to the group, like, in the monitoring thread. Yeah. Uh, because there is, like, no cut and dry, like, oh, this is the official reports or, or that are going on. Um, but I will say, a lot of these people that I do follow... They're like the ones that are actively like they're in like they're in the Wagner like telegram channels and they're in like the Ukrainian like military channels. And they're like, they're combing through it all and giving like, of course their spin. And it's clearly like one sided, but I think they do a good job of like whittling that down, comparing it to the other and, and trying to put like the best foot forward. So we do have a little bit of information uh, of what's going on out there. Now your idea of like, is this the grand scheme to like get wagner over not it?
0: my idea i want to be very clear about <laughs> so that that was not my the, the idea The served up to me in
1: the 4u the, section on the on the dark webs of Twitter. the schuster war plan of uh the the attack from belarus um I, that would be like pretty dumb i don't like even like putin <laughs> uh it like doesn't take that much thinking of being like oh okay so like we're just going to shift our like defenses over there and like that's clearly where they're going to come from like I don't think it's that uh, cut and dry. What I think of what's going on is that uh, the hot dog man has long, long, long uh, been thought of being a not, an I don't want to call him like a, an asset to Western intelligence, but very sympathetic uh, to Western intelligence. And I think it was uh, Putin's way of like, wait a second maybe there there's some leaks there's some things that are going on like we got to get this guy out of here because he's he's a little too tied in to exactly what's going on like all the way out at the tip of the spear and if we remove him and put him somewhere else where it's not like a complete friendly but like close enough um he will be a little bit easier to control
0: so that's where like that's i guess that's then the hot dog man forced his hand yeah by he didn't expect him to march on Russia, basically, or on Moscow. Well, the hot dog man, everything that he does is like out of pure
1: like rage and like just feelings. Like he's he's still wronged from Syria. He's still wronged by like the early uh, you know early weeks in Ukraine conflict. Like he is very much like goes off of what he's feeling in the moment. I don't know if he's like thinking like you know three, four, five, a dozen steps ahead.
2: But like uh, sure. so, I guess there's two ways to look at it. A, this is like in the near term, Putin looks weakened because this happened on his watch, and but he typically makes like uses these situations to you know kind of strengthen his fortifications and redouble and figure out how to get the rats out.
1: Yeah. Right. And he's done that.
2: Yeah. So I so I feel like A, there's that, but then B, like why like if hot dog man is driven by all this shit, like unless they just paid him a ton of money, which is totally possible. Right. But like, it doesn't seem like he's even driven by the money. It's like, Hey, like at some point, like wouldn't the narcissism and the emotion and the feelings motivate him to just keep rolling towards Moscow? Like, so from what I heard is like Putin was like torturing his family too, or something. That was,
1: yes. So that's what he, basically what he did is when he continued like, his march north and before they got to like that 200 kilometer bubble he Putin dispatched like his you know merry men of goons to go out and kidnapped uh hot dog man's family tortured them got the rest of like the colonels of the wagnar groups like they're all family or their families rounded them all up and basically like we're going to incarcerate them um in order to get them to stop now like that's fucked up and i'm sure that weighed into like why they ended up like stopping having belarus step in to be the third party negotiator and go from there um but the the second side of it is that basically putin used this as everybody you know there was other high-level colonels and low-level generals within uh the russian military who were helping not directly helping wagnar but like not answering phones not relaying information and putin has since used these to go through and like suss all of those people out and get rid of them so this week we've seen a ton of of resignations and outright firings uh people falling out of windows too right well yeah the, the poor girl that fell out of the window today i don't know exactly what she did but i'm sure she's somehow tied up in all this um do you think the
0: hot dog man's gonna
1: fall out of a window? For
0: sure, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but then would, wouldn't that like would that be a problem for you know the homies, the, the Wagner homies revolting again? Or does, at this point, he's 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 good. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see because
1: uh, the Wagner fighters seem like very fired up, like they knew that this was not against like Russia, that was specifically against like you know, the minister of war and and his, uh, his deputy. And like, that was their said mission. It was not against mother Russia. It was not against Putin. It was not against like any of these other people. So I I think he still has like the utmost respect from his men. And, uh, you know, if he, if he happens to get removed, I don't know if they have, uh, I don't know who would step in right now because like, again, they're, The colonels that they have is like, the actual warfighters leading Wagner's element are very, very smart ground tactically. I don't know, like, that's, like, a big, like, strategical play. And I don't know if they'd be
0: too successful doing that right now. So, just to be clear, the hot dog man is in Belarus. Mm -hmm. Location, you know, undisclosed. But the Wagner force that he was with going to, to Moscow is not. They all just turned around and went back to the front lines. Like, where did the soldiers go? Be- that were going towards I believe Moscow? half
1: of them went back to their original fighting positions, and the new recruits that were picked up over time went to the like the Wagner training academy in southern Russia, and to get their training, and then they're going to go uh, to Ukraine to join the rest of them.
2: So, uh, okay, all right. So, looking ahead with Putin, like, I mean. There's got to be, like, this has got to be some sort of a sign for the other discontents in the country that are like, hey, this guy's at a moment of weakness,
1: right? Yeah, you'd think. Well, we've been saying that for, like, two years now, too, and he, yeah. he always finds a way to hold on to power and, and keep people in place. And, and
2: so as far as Putin
1: goes, like, is he, like, what's the
2: secret service in Russia? Is it just, like, the special force? It's
0: the FSB now, right? It used to be the KGB. Yeah,
1: FSB is definitely like that's a premier like intelligence agency, but they do more like it's basically directly at his discretion. Okay,
2: so he's got his tight group of guys that are providing security, locking shit down at yeah. like the Kremlin or wherever he. Well, is it's like
1: truly come. his boy. I mean, yeah. he was an FSB yeah. officer. Yeah,
2: and they're all taken care of, and so they they have no reason to. And then I'm sure there there's all sorts of other safeguards built in as well
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you I mean, saw that. We like, How many, yeah. like, I don't know if it was real or not, but, like, how many, you know, tweets or whatever did I put out from, like, all the trackers of, like, oh, this is, you know, Putin's plane yeah. lifted. Like, he's on his way to wherever, and, like, you know, then he, like, comes out and says, like, I've been here the whole time. Like, so all these people, like, tracking all this shit are wrong.
2: His uh, question about, like, his his announcement, like, him him announcing publicly... And it sounded like it was going to be a much bigger thing than it was. You know, he kind of like there were all sorts of rumors and speculation that he was going to come out and you know say all this stuff and repudiate all this stuff and right. da, da, da. and then it ended up just being like a four minute, you know, kind of quick
1: speech. Which I believe some uh, a couple of people told me that like we only got like basically the first third of the video recording. Okay, I don't know why. Maybe they they only played the the second. You know. Two thirds of it on state radio and state sponsored TV, but I guess the whole thing hasn't been released yet. But yeah, very very soft, a, a lot softer approach than we thought it was going to be. But maybe he's doing that just to to make sure things get back in place, and then he can actually make these.
2: And then he, he's you know,
1: crazy. And
0: then he brings the hammer. Down. I don't know. I mean, yeah. TC, like back to your point, like you know, people unhappy. It's like it. It doesn't seem to really matter if anyone in Russia is unhappy, unless the oligarchs, unless these, you know is basically the guys he made billionaires, unless they do something, I don't see him getting, you know, deposed of power, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we thought, I mean, we thought that this, you know,
1: the sanctions that were imposed by the United States and a lot of other Western countries were going to have a bigger effect. They clearly have found uh, ways around that. Um, you know, oil is a big, big money maker for Russia. and it's going to India. I, I, it's not only going to india but like saudi arabia is like very sympathetic right now with russia and and their oil situation and they're making deals with them like it's they figured out a way to do it and it kind of goes back to like you know these are the same plays that we fucking made on iran and like Mm -hmm. venezuela and like sanctions like they have you know a couple of immediate like short-term effects on it but overall like people are always going to find a way
2: yeah, we, yeah, I saw he just opened up a new, or they just approved the Venezuelan, you know, like what was it? Uh, one of the oil companies down there, uh, you know, going in and either fixing up a refinery or starting to produce again there, which is crazy. But yeah, and then yeah, like I thought Modi's, you know, the Indian prime minister, who's you know kind of a complicated figure with how he suppresses stuff and and keeps things in control over in India. Like his whole state visit to the US was super interesting as well in the context of all this because India's got, you know, kind of one foot between the US and, and Russia and, you know, wary of China over there.
1: Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um I just looked it up right now in the the Axos newsletter and it's talking about, you know, Venezuelan oil, like they're they're finally getting back to being able to produce close to a million barrels a day. Uh, which they haven't been able to do in a long, 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 long time. Who's running the joint down there now? Is it Maduro
0: still? Or did he die?
1: Neil, that's a great question. Yeah, hold on.
0: Because because he was like you know the the bad hombre nobody liked back back when uh, you know Obama was around. What well, I think and then, pretty sure uh, yeah, it's still it's Maduro. Still Maduro. It's still Maduro. Maybe he had a health problem or something. I don't know. I, I feel like I read that he was. He wasn't doing great down there, <laughs> there last year. He was Man, I still a bad don't time. think like
2: things are going all that well in Venezuela from a
0: economic no, not at all. no, I well for sure, no. But I thought maybe I was I was wondering yeah. about like the you know president specifically yeah it
1: also didn't work like didn't uh, remember when we tried to put in like the interim president like basically be like oh no we're we're maduro's out like we this is this new guy that we're putting into place and you know state department completely overplayed their hands and everything else like
0: that it feels like that's happened down in central america a few times It's yeah, tough uh tough 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 it well cody thank you for the update i think that's you know like, I feel like we can pontificate and make predictions, but I just kind of wanted to talk through the timeline of events yeah. just to make sure that I'm like, okay, do I, my understanding this properly with, with where the hot dog man fits in and, you know, and just the role of, of the, the Wagner group, <laughs> the Wagner's, whatever you want to call it. The Wagnerettes. Them. Yeah.
2: It's got, it's so interesting. Cause there's just such a, there's such a distaste for all things German
0: from the russians yeah.
2: from world war ii <laughs> world, war I and world
0: war ii yeah i know it's so bizarre it's it's i uh, that i've really struggled to put those <laughs> two together tc like wait a second i thought you were calling Zelensky the nazi but you guys are like our fans of of h and his composer what are we doing yeah. you know like what it's crazy oh. it's so crazy looking at the the wagner like wikipedia
1: page because it's like has their allies and opponents listed out and like allies of course being like You know, Russian armed forces, Russian separatist forces, Syrian armed forces, uh, PMF, IRGC, Libyan National Army, all these people. Then you get to the opponents and it's like allied forces of Ukraine. Got it. Islamic State. Got it. Al-Nusra front. Got it. Syrian Democratic Forces. United States Army. Russian volunteer course. You're like, wait a second. Why, why, what are we doing in well, here? Like, how, how are you allies? Loo- how are we losing with all these terrorists?
2: Even just going to Russia, is, wouldn't Russian separatist forces be on the opposite <laughs> side from
1: the Russian military? I know. It's so weird. They, so they're just weird, trying to keep man. the
2: war machine going, right?
1: Yeah. And they're like, you know, Russia's really good at playing, like in, in all these, is, you know, Muslim conflicts and everything that's going on and like, the Muslim world, they they just love siding with like Shias, man, which is, it's just tough. So when you have that like strong Iranian pull with everything that you do, that's where you see it play out in Syria. You see it obviously with their support from IRGC and PMF, but man, it's nuts.
2: God, I'm worn out. And you know what, Cody, we still got to monitor the, you know, we can do it on another pod. We still got to monitor all this shit going on in space. I think I it's I think shit's about to pop off in space. Not just the gravitational waves discovery, you know, this week, but also just generally in space. And then and then you know China building building a a
0: facility in Cuba. Yep. You know, well TC, you had one more thing on the agenda for today. You wanted me to comment on the YouTube. Yeah, what's scandal. going on there? Well, I dug into it a little bit, and it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and and. Okay. You know, like you,
2: I. First of all, are you I are think, you still a shareholder?
0: Uh, yeah, okay. I still am a shareholder. Okay. So yeah. it, it, everything so, that we know, say, obviously, is like, like grain of salt here. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is not investment advice, of course. <laughs> uh, it never. I would never give out investment advice ever. So I'm just saying you have you have kind a, of uh, understood. You know, unless it's what to do you with have invested the Beluga's happy here, to talk in about your that. nuggies
2: and in your and your Google yeah. nuggies.
0: Well, no, but you know, it's like sometimes I struggle. Like I enjoyed my time at Google. I learned a ton, but sometimes, you know, it's like, Oh my, you know, especially back when I was there, it's like, Oh, it's the best place, you know, in the world to work. And in a lot of ways it is, but like with anything, you kind of start to see some of the rats in the kitchen yeah. of like, Oh man, like for instance, I was running ad campaigns. Right. And I had a client that wanted to, you know, you get, you get some sketchy people that roll through and and like someone on the, you know, sales team would sell a deal that it's kind of like an agency, that's trying to do like get a music, like music videos, a like more views because like you know views are currency. Like we know that like not all views are created equal. Like right. a lot of them are just bought, right? And like I I can kind of tell when you look at a if you look at a YouTube channel and it's like it's got five hundred thousand views and like three comments. It's like <laughs> oh those are those are paid for, and like the secret is like you can you know if somebody says. To you like oh i just care about i just need the view count to go up it's like well you can basically geofence yeah. like indonesia from 12 a.m to 5 a.m and you know and max out like no targeting and you'll you know it'll run on like click farms right and it's like yeah it's not those aren't like good views but like if that's what somebody wanted you could do that and and those will be worth like you know it'll maximize like oh yeah, they'll cost like half yeah. a penny you know each like view so because they're useless. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's always been kind of a so the scandal that is being called out is that Google has in its terms of service like you know, you're going to show you they're guaranteeing like a view, the definition of a view on YouTube is 30 seconds. Somebody's you know, watched it. Uh I don't know if like technically the sound has to be on. This this Twitter thread and this uh scandal in the Wall Street Journal says that like what they're selling advertisers is that you will your um your video, your ad will be watched if it counts as a view, it'll be watched with the sound on for at least 30 seconds. Uh, that's that's kind of the definition. On one of our, like, defined, cha- on one of our channels or, or a third-party channel that we've, like, whitelisted. And what that means is, like, when somebody embeds a YouTube video, like, you know, we just had the Strapped article come out. Golf Digest embedded some of the Strapped videos onto their website. And we have ads run on Strapped, not because we are doing that. It's because... DJ picks awesome music. Well, the way they pay for the copyright is they run ads on our video and they pay the record label that owns that video. So that would count, those would count as views. If those ads ran when you clicked on like, oh, what is Strapped all about on the Golf Digest site? And so those, and and that's a, you know, that's a legit view. That's a, that's a, that's fair. Um, So if you press the, like the thing is if you press the skip ad after five seconds, that doesn't count as a view. It's gotta go for 30 seconds for the advertiser to get, charge. So on YouTube, a big factor for advertisers is like a lot of people are doing it for brand awareness. It's not like a direct response platform. Like not, you're not going to get a lot of click throughs to buy t-shirts from YouTube ads. You're basically doing it to say like, you know, Hey, we're no laying up. We sell golf apparel. Like if we were going to do a YouTube ad, which we don't. And so the idea is like, you want to hook somebody in the first five seconds because impressions can be very valuable if you make good video creative right? So you can get a lot of bang for your buck on YouTube before the 30 second view count where you're not even paying for it. Uh, now there's other formats. There's like six second non-skippables and, and they probably have a million more since I've left. So I, you know, I I've been out of the game for a while. Um, but the, the part of this, you know, scandal is that there are so many like golf digest. That's a legitimate, you know, place where your video gets viewed but there's all, there's so many sketchy sites that are just running ads and they're not like the sound's not on. And the minute you scroll, they, they're like a pop-out window. And they're basically saying, I think what's happening is those ads are running with no sound on like, or being X'd out and YouTube's counting it as a legitimate view. And they're charging, depending on the targeting, anywhere from three cents to like 50 cents would be like a cost per view for each view. So like you can get it really low if you don't care, but if you want to reach golfers that are 18 to like the, 30 years old, the
2: more specific and granular you want to get, the more it's going to cost you.
0: Yeah. You know, in that auction, you're probably gonna have to pay a lot more and you want to reach them on an iPhone, you know, and it wants to be, you can get really, really granular with how you target, but like, it's going to limit like how many people you reach and it's going to cost you a lot more money. And so I, I think when, especially when you start automating stuff and they always wanted you in the AdWords platform, you know, the, where you're, setting up the ads, they always want you to click on, like, run these ads on our partner sites too. Because that's where Google can get the scale and like let the algorithm and the machine like run wild. And so you can set up like a, you know, there's different like uh, goals you can set up like I want to get like as much as many impressions as possible, versus I want to get as many sales as possible, like they're going to probably run in different places. And, you know, that's all the machines taking in a lot more, you know, everything's freaking automated now. But it sounds like th- this article says that 80% of views on the partner sites are, like, by definition, like, not, not views. They're not – sounds not on <laughs> – like, nobody – the lights are on no one's home, basically. These ads are running into the abyss. And I would say that that's probably an overstatement, uh, but I think that there that there's some yeah. definite, definite truth to that. And, and that's a problem because, like, yeah, it kind of uh, – it's just a trust problem. It's like, man, you guys are yeah. you got two yeah. lawsuits going on, you know, antitrust suits, you're getting you know fucked up in the news by chat GPT and how that's gonna steal your your yeah. main money maker, which is search ads you know if if search behavior changes and people start going there for answers that's a that's a problem, maybe not this yeah. year, but like a year or two from now, and then yeah, you're just gonna like flick the double birds to your main advertisers. And the main ones are like P and G Procter and Gamble, like big brand CPG companies. Th- that's who buys YouTube ads, you know, for the most part, it's not the direct to consumer. Those, those were the accounts you know, that you were running. running P No, no. Those all have large customers. They call them LCS teams. So they have, that's basically Google's like a massive consulting firm. If you spend enough on the ads, you get direct support. If not do it yourself or go get an agency And Google does a really good job managing agencies as well. So they'll support the agency that's supporting Mm. 20 different companies. So it's a really good model. They're able to focus their attention on like the top 10% of spenders on Google. And so the ones that spend are the big supermarket, CPG brands, um, travel industry, OTAs is probably like, probably even bigger, like online booking, kind of online like travel agencies. So like, Booking.com, yeah. I think, yeah. was always.
2: And, and, like, Neil, like, it really stuck out to me because this is. Yeah. And it's not like this is in BuzzFeed or, you know, some some Mashable.
0: It, it's like this was in the Wall Street Journal, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's a problem. And I think there's, there's definitely, some, there's smoke and, I think, a fire. I don't know. 80% feels high. And when I was looking through it, they had some, like, let me look up this uh, tweet real quick it was saying that the, where they got like the 80% number was they were kind of, you know, in air quotes, doing their own research. You know, that we ran, you know, our agency ran this through our thing. What, what did they say? Uh Analytics HQ found founds that every one out of two ads are running not, um one out of every two ads that are running are not running on YouTube. Which that number first off feels a little high to me because I would say that like, there's a difference between a, ad running on a youtube yeah. embed which is a legit one because it's like that has to be like clicked on and that's a legit youtube video it's when people are embedding them like they've started i think new formats where they can so there's a third piece to this sorry there's the google display network and so there's google search which is like yeah. that's all on google's platform and that's like the cash cow there's youtube which google google also owns the second largest search platform on the planet and people use it for a lot of Useful stuff too. And then there's the display network. And that's basically like Google was smart. Uh, it used to be if you had a blog, you sold, you know, get basically like, hey, you want a banner on my website? Cool. Like I built, I have a developer and he built yeah. like a, you know, place to host a banner and you're, we're going to run a three week flight with you as our, you know, headline person. Well, Google just like they bought this thing called Double Click. So they started like a, they basically became landlords on the internet where they were like, instead of doing that, why don't you just, in like put this, um, plugin into your website and we'll run, we have all these different size ads that you can run on your site. You know, it could be a square one and down we'll handle here handle the
2: marketplace tank. and we'll handle the account management and you just get a cut.
0: Exactly. And we'll just send, we'll send basically every business on Google your way. We'll keep, you know, 20%. You guys keep the 80% or maybe it's 30, 70. I can't remember what the, like the split is. Uh, but we'll just take our little piece of it for running the ads and and we'll just take all of the sales off of you. It's and the you exact guys can same business model out. is
2: like what a billboard is on the interstate, right? It's like you have those, those companies that run all those and sell them all. And then the, the person whose land the billboard is on gets the residual every month, right?
0: And it's super, like, it's worked. I mean, that's why yeah. Google's like, one of the most valuable companies in the world. Like, people kept doing it. It's like, oh, money's coming in, everybody's happy. But it just has led to a lot of the bigger it gets, and you're trying to continue growing, Google's been accused of price-fixing these auctions, right? And I think one of the big, like, weird things is both Google and Facebook, even when I worked there, it always kind of, like, you know, made me scratch my head. It's like, so the person that you're paying to run the ads is the one that's giving you all the analytics and tell you how they're performing. <laughs> yeah. Like that's inherently right. going to be a conflict of interest. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm they're telling me, you know, now that I don't work there or when I was working there, I'm telling the client, "Hey, this many ads was shown as showed by our Google Analytics." There's with- no Nielsen,
2: yeah. there's no there's no
0: independent. Third yeah. Party,
2: yeah. No, there's yeah. no
0: Nielsen. Exactly. That's the difference. There's always been Nielsen with network TV. It's like a third party. And you could argue like with, you know, there's S and P and, and Moody's and like, yeah, those guys are, <laughs> they have their conflicts of interest too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's not like third parties are innocent of this, but it's when you just like take away like any notion of a third party. It's like, I don't think early on, like it, it's an issue, but as it gets bigger, like there's just creep on that stuff. And you just break down trust. And that's what's going on. It's just like, this is just another massive breach of trust. And mainly with the biggest advertisers, because they're the ones that are willing to spend like the upfront money on YouTube. Like, yo, man, I got a million bucks. You guys, you and our agency, you focus on where to run these ads. And like, they clicked on the yeah, run these on partner channels. Well, yeah, it turns out like a lot of the partner channels aren't being like plus they're all yeah plus they're also the most exposed
2: because they're doing the most volume right they've got the most skin in the game both from a view count perspective like they're going to be disproportionately affected by this yeah
0: Yeah. so like do i think that youtube ads are not effective no i don't think that i think they are like at its core i think it's an effective place to to do advertising if depending on what kind of business you are and what your marketing goal is but like does this help no it doesn't like and are they you know as Google tries to get more scale with these partners, you know, and using the display network for YouTube and video advertising,
2: well and it and it runs counter to like what they're trying to do overall is become more credible, become more like hey, ditch your TV, you know, watch watch NFL on YouTube or watch, you know, like yep. that's where it's like all right, well like, you know, you can't like it was the same thing what 7 or 8 years ago when they were showing jihadists
0: videos it's like all right yeah the brand safety stuff i was there for that that was a massive thing internally and they and, and to their credit they turned on a ton of like if you go on the adwords you know ad platform now like yep. brand safety stuff is front and center like when you're building out ads it's like yo you can they gate they did answer that question and give advertisers a lot more control over like where and when their content's running like i one lem, another like anecdote so i was running a campaign for california olive ranch the, okay. the olive oil olive oil company you guys have probably seen them all over the supermarket and they wanted to you know they were just getting into digital marketing so they came through my team which was supposed to be like we'll we'll basically be your internal agency and the goal is if it goes well we'll graduate you to like a long-term team or maybe you guys get an agency like but we'll try to get you started on the right track and they wanted to run they had specific targeting for like you know certain demographics they wanted to run And we run this YouTube campaign for like two weeks. I start looking at like, because you can go into the platform and see like where were ads shown. And another problem here is if it's shown on YouTube, it will show you the channel. But if it's shown on a partner site, it just says like Google partner. And so that's like what part of this scandal is. It's like, it's just kind of a black box. Yeah, it just like ran on the internet somewhere. So it's kind of like, I started with a lot of my clients. I just turned off the partner sites. It's like, you're not gonna get as much scale, but like, I'm gonna know, Usually if someone's new to this. Yeah, you're pinpointing exactly. Quality. If someone's yeah. new to this, yeah. I don't want them running everywhere. I want to have as much control as possible, you know, just less yeah. questions and like, hey, what's that Google partner site listing? Uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to get into that. But what I noticed was like a gabillion, even though I was targeting certain demographic, I I started having a whitelist like Peppa the pig. like was like by far like that and, you know, some of like kid shit was like, you know, just eating up views. And I'm like, you know, you start have to like think through this, like critically, it's like, Oh, well, you know what it is? It's, it's TC giving the iPad to goose. And <laughs> yep. it's a bunch totally. of kids watching stuff on their parents' iPads. It's probably targeting the parents. So I remember talking through this with like the CMO of, of California Oliver. And she's like, Oh, that makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Like, so, you, you know, but like, we need to like, so we, then you can like blacklist certain sites. So I had to kind of you, you got to be diligent about it because God, I hate that for Peppa
1: and George and the rest of the family. You're just killing but that's, them out there. Man. But
0: that's also how like dude perfect makes so much money. They run a ton of ads and they oh. probably get so many parents just like, yo, here's the iPad. You know what I mean? Like it, those things are like, it's like yeah. water, man. These ads just flow to the, you know, <laughs> they flow downhill to like the children's, like the, the mass viewed stuff. It's crazy. So you just gotta, you know, well, I know you're, you're, big fan of
1: third-party auditors. I know that everything that we do around here, you've been a big fan of the IAB system for our own podcast numbers. So I appreciated that in you, Neil. And it doesn't sound like this is like as blatantly like crazy as iHeartRadio with all their like, you know, podcast downloads and views of just like this, this circle just running constantly out there trying to juice everything up but
0: it seems like it's kind of like a bug and a feature well it is if you stick to the google-owned platforms i do think the uh, the reporting and the numbers are pretty like it's legit you know because you can start to cross-reference like if you're looking at conversion data you can cross-reference against your own first-party data and like you know it matches up but like attribution is always tough what's the attribution window like it's really complicated But in in YouTube, I think the views match up. It's like, oh, you can see, like, where these ads showed on YouTube. It's what happens is when they start to bring in the third-party network, the display network was always kind of a cesspool of, like, if you're just doing banner ads, it's like, even that's like, God, they're showing up on a lot of – you used to see a lot of, like, uh, apps, iPhone apps, you know, like candy, you know, fucking Candyland or – candy um, crush, you know, Zynga stuff, you know, you're like, God, that's trash, yeah. man. You know, weather, weather.com always a top ad, like the weather channel is an ad company. You know, it's like basically like a,
2: which it, it's, it's one of those things too. Like in the macro sense, it cheapens the value of all ads. Yes, it does. Cause you're yes. serving up like really bad, super, super transactional, like just half penny stuff. That's like, you know you're it's like fishing with dynamite and you're going to scare all the fish away at some point right versus like yeah.
0: it's that's so true TC the whole answer is like they need scale like their problem is like we need more inventory so that's why they bring in the third partner third party sites as google's gotten massive but what you're giving up there is efficiency and you're giving up like the the full view of like when you own the you know when you own google.com for search or your own youtube and so then it becomes a little bit like there's a, there's going to be a trade off there with um so it, it yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is, but I, I don't think like all ads, all of Google is bad. You know what I mean? Like I don't think
2: no. It's I I like I, I don't know, I just worry about this slow creep of Google and I'm sure you could say the same thing with like with like Amazon, but like Google especially of like almost turning into like like moving the way of like an AT&T or a Comcast and just being this like big bureaucratic behemoth that's just, you know, running some of the back-end stuff you can never talk to a real person and like it's it's and it's all these little trust things plus you know like these things that just keep adding up that are like man like at some point like if the cash cow does go away but they're still also very powerful
0: like are they just going to mail it in and be be just another company i don't i think my feel on that is every year i was i was there for about two and a half years and i felt like every year it got more like it you know it's like IBM like yeah a lot of the people that were running the shop they are now like they're like ex Bain and McKinsey consultants like it, it is very much like we're we're optimizing on, on the margins here right and the 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 real thing is the answer to like the, so they want to scale everything out for they need more inventory right the answer when I was there it was starting and now I think it's just picked up more steam it's just automate 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 how can we get you onto target cpa which is like target cost per acquisition what what you know and let the machine take over you need to give us you know if you get, you start to model it out if you give us like a hundred k we can get you this much at this cost per acquisition you know what i'm saying like and then but the problem with that is like and that's you don't know slope, yeah you don't right? really know how it, like how it works you just gotta like trust the machine and there's gonna be especially early on a ton of inefficiencies on finding that right person to make the purchase to get you your target cost per acquisition. So I don't know. I'm getting too in the weeds, but that's my, that's you wanted me to analyze it, TC. There you have it. No, I appreciate it up
2: there, Neil. More than we bargained
0: for.
1: All right. I think
0: I got hour and 41. I think we're good. (laughs) It's late
1: on a Thursday. (laughs) Thank you, TC. I appreciate, i appreciate you uh hopping on sorry to the listeners we we thought about spinning something up last weekend everybody claiming like this was an emergency situation i don't think so like this doesn't meet yeah. uh emergency
0: trap draw we also procedures. need to check
2: with our sources and i verify. think that's, that's of our model
0: like even you know, with the yeah. you know in the, in the golf stuff it's like we're not breaking news here man i mean we're we're just trying to yeah. just trying to give you our takes some of them stink some of them are decent you know we'll see you let us know what, what what you think cody what's the trap draw line leave us a note send us a voicemail absolutely i appreciate it man anything else before we get out of here uh no i think we're i think we're dialed everybody have a good I think we're good dialed fourth of july man
2: yeah America. randy's got a wimbledon episode going out uh next week kind of a wimbledon preview with uh one of our our guys over at uh the tennis podcast and uh yeah we'll we're we're just we're just stocking away from some content we're scrolling it away for the for the dog days of summer
1: i know it's crazy that it's almost july already yeah. if people yeah, yeah if people want to people want to get in touch with us man uh, the booth tc's listener line whatever it is that number 833 1833 330
0: 8725 cody last question do you think the Conoco conaco base is still standing it is. Yeah.
1: Still still doing some shit out there. So very much okay. still standing. Okay,
2: cool. All right, fellas. All right, Cody, make sure your car doesn't catch on fire this. No
1: fires. Is, this man weekend. it's hot. I uh, you know, Solly was out here for a couple of days. I thought the poor guy was going to die. It was like 117 heat index. We're out there grinding with Jordan and Scotty, and they were just like, you know, it's so weird to see uh how pe- the different people are treated. We're out there in it, it like this title issue in the middle of the day. And they have, like, you know, the one lone pop-up tent that, like, the only people they could go stand underneath it were the talent. So, of course, you, like, see, like, Jordan and, Saul, or and uh, Scotty over there standing underneath it, like, before shoots and everything like that. And, like, hundreds of other people, audio techs, you know, video guys, you name it, just sweating our absolute balls off. Like, what is happening? Why are we still doing this? But they were good. They were troopers. They hung out with us uh, the entire time. And it was a hell of a time and no fires to report so far this week but man it's going to be a long weekend fourth of july happy independence day and i appreciate everybody good
2: luck neil good luck with the smoke up there thank you
0: Trap. Yeah. I remember nights, I didn't remember nights Night. I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right, right. Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper hey. Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite <laughs> trapper <laughs>